Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 148 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helberton. And who's turning the sand with me tonight? Who's turning uh, the sand with me tonight? No, no, no. That's not how it happened. Uh, <laughs> this is Vincent Goodwin from the Some of My Friends Read Comics podcast in the That Was a Game YouTube series. Uh, and I'm Dan Melman from Massachusetts, I guess. <laughs> it's wet here. First time on the show. Thank you for having me. It's always nice getting people on here for the first time. It, it happens sometimes. <laughs> and before we go too far, I do want to mention a couple of things. One, we have a new Patreon poll starting at the time that you're hearing this. We are at, we had just started our Christmas movie poll. We're going to do on Patreon. Where you can either vote for Home Alone, Nightmare Before Christmas, Elf, or a Christmas story. So as little as a dollar, go down to our Patreon and go vote. And other thing I want to mention, as long as I don't forget, well, it'll be in here no matter what at this point, there's going to be another giveaway for a Steam code. I have no, I have more Steam codes to give away, so definitely look forward to that. Somewhere in the mid-episode, there will be a random Steam code. I will open my mouth and words will come out, and there will be a Steam code for you. So look forward to that. I can't guarantee it'll be a good game. It'll be the same code. I guarantee that. All right. And we are here to talk about a game that I have been trying to get on the show for a long damn time. <laughs> it's actually been on the, on the season multiple times before I kept taking it off because I'm like, nah, I, we'll do, we just, stuff would come up. We are going to be talking about 2003's Ubisoft Prince of Persia Sands of Time. I'm excited. Me too. <laughs> so have you guys, um, Vincent, was this your first time playing the game? No, I played it back in the day when, when it came out. I probably got it used, quite frankly, because Ubisoft had this like murderer's row of games in fall 2003. They had like Rainbow Six Three and 13, which was that cool, like uh, cell shaded game that isn't very good. They had Beyond Good and Evil and <laughs> Prince of Persia Sand of Time. Um, and it was just like it was too many games from Ubisoft that were all like good, but not necessarily like top tier echelon, but also like super interesting. And I'm sure I got into sale. I looked up my old site that I used to work on. I, I didn't review this game. But like in this came out like in November and in January, there, Ubisoft, we had a news story that, J, uh, that Ubisoft put out. If you buy Prince of Persia Sands of Time, we'll give you Splinter Cell for free for GameCube. So I think that like Ubisoft just made too many good games and couldn't sell them and then sold them for cheap. So kind of like today. If we're being well, <laughs> Ubisoft so. notorious for their games discounting very quickly. Yeah, I'm OK with that. But they make a lot of games. They do. Um, they, they just came out with like Riders Republic, which looks like it's like um like I don't know like a like a BMX mountain biking game, and I'm like that looks really good, but I'm not paying sixty dollars for it. I'll pay twenty dollars for it in a month. So <laughs> that's why I used to love Ubisoft so much when I used to collect like games all the damn time. I'd love yeah. like oh I can't wait to play this in three months when it's cheap. Yeah, I mean and it's a super interesting game. Um, at the time. It, it it's really cool. I liked it. I didn't stick very far with it though, if we're being totally honest. Um, and then I remember people like the subsequent games. Um, people didn't like uh, Warrior Within. I think was the sequel to this. Yes, it um, and kind of shot the shot the franchise in the foot. So yeah, that's that's my story with it. And what about you, Dan? Yeah, I played this around the time it came out. I was familiar with Prince of Persia. I, I think I had played the at least the first two when they were featured on Home of the Underdogs, this old abandonware site. Okay. Um, oh, cool. So I I enjoyed Prince of Persia. I remember seeing the previews for this game, and it just looked amazing. And I think I rented it when it came out and blew through it in a weekend and absolutely loved it. I bought it on PC eventually. This game controls surprisingly well with a mouse. Huh. And I can see just, that, actually, now that you say that, though. I can see that. It, it 
you wouldn't expect it because mm-hmm. you need to move so precisely, but you can just move the camera with the mouse. Uh, Splinter Cell also controls very well with a mouse, where you have the, the mouse wheel to change how quickly you're moving. That's cool. But I I love this game. I probably played through it three or four times over the course of my life. There There are things about it that bother me more each time I play, and I'm sure we'll get to that. We will. But yeah, I, I love this game. I've I played all four uh, in the Sands of Time trilogy. I've at least touched every Prince of Persia, uh, and I think this is still my favorite. Okay. Uh, so so that's interesting, though, because I, I always am interested when franchises have like a weird reboot or like a <laughs> massive shift and change. Like, do they betray the fans? How the original fans of like the PC game? Because this is fairly similar to the PC game. And I think I played it probably on Super Nintendo or Prince of Persia 2 on Super <laughs> Nintendo. that's a very cool game yeah like how so coming as somebody who liked the pc games you were pretty on board with this this change yeah i you know that that series was over at that point (laughs) oh yeah they um, i i I actually went back and played the the first 3d one recently which was also kind of a reboot all the one from 99 well i I played the dreamcast port which i think had some changes i didn't Uh, even know that existed till like today so <laughs> it's it's weird early in the pandemic i i tried to play through it again and and got to the final level and that game is absolute bullshit but i enjoyed it <laughs> this game's a lot better yeah no i i kind of just thought it was cool that prince of persia was coming back and and sort of reclaiming a lot of what it did well because i the that cinematic platformer genre had sort of mm-hmm. been dominated by tomb raider through the the whole previous yeah. generation and Tomb Raider plays a lot more like old PC Prince of Persia. And this is like, <laughs> yes, it does. No, what, what makes Prince of Persia cool is, is fluid movement. It's trial and error platforming. It's environmental puzzle solving. And I think this modernized all that in really cool way. I think they really nailed it with this game. Did you ever play the uh, GBA Prince of Persia by chance <laughs> that came out alongside this? They no, look I, similar. They look similar. I, I didn't even so, know it. Ex- that's another thing. I didn't know it existed until we were doing this. We started talking. I looked at the wiki. I'm actually watching a long play of that right now. Yeah, I, it, it, I never played heard it a little of before. Yeah, you might want to check them out. I mean, I, I I don't know how good they are. They're in the style of that. And I know they're. I played the Pirates of the Caribbean GBA game. The first one is also <laughs> just Prince of Persia 2D with pirates. Oh, this looks cool. Yeah, it actually looks. It looks like it's a 2D platformer. Where you climb and do stuff. It looks very interesting. I kind of uh, want to play it now. I did. Oh, this is so fluid. I want to play this. I did play the Xbox 360 remake of the first, which had the look of Sands of Time. Uh, and that mm-hmm. game wasn't particularly good, but it was. it's cool that it exists. I mean, I, w- I was never a fan of the original games. I played them on Nintendo. I probably ran them at one random time or another, and I did never liked them. They've never stuck with me. When this game came out, I think it was X-Play that probably sold it on me. Because of the rewind feature, because I suck at video games, especially then. <laughs> it's a built-in save state. Yeah, <laughs> but limited <laughs> one. But yes, and I actually, my actually, mom, my mom had bought me this game for Christmas or something. But I know she bought me this game. I remember asking her to get it, which was uncommon for me because I'd only really ask for RPGs usually, but I because they were always rare. And I this is before I had this. Yeah, it was before I had a job. But I remember asking for this game. Never beat it though back then. I played it a bunch. But I wasn't I did either. I wasn't good. at. I got stuck somewhere and I fell off and went back to RPGs. And it wasn't until God, years later that I finally beat it. It's long. It's longer than I thought it would be. Yeah. I, I remember people saying, oh, this game's really short and you'll you'll finish it in a weekend like I did. But by today's standards for these these cinematic platformers, this game's pretty long. It took me like 15 well, I, hours. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've been on a few of these episodes of Games My Mom Found, and and when I I, I, I cherry pick the ones that are only like ten to fifteen hours, <laughs> um, but like with an RPG versus this, like you are always on in Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. You are mm-hmm. you are never like just like walking to a destination for twenty minutes, you know, or chatting with somebody for ten minutes. You are always like edge your seat, like I'm about to die for 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 ten hours on like a, a good you runs. Are- you are always about to die. Like that's the thing right. about this game. You're you're constantly doing parkour things. You're doing battles, which are eh, we'll get there. So you're always doing something. The game. You are right. The game has very few chill moments. I mean, there are moments where they just talk. The characters do, and I'm like, okay, but they're very. Usually, you're still jumping and doing things in between them or figuring. Things yeah. Out. The I, I think the way this game's storytelling and pacing works, uh, I see in a lot of modern. Mm-hmm. cinematic games like I, I definitely see it in naughty dog because you know this game gives you someone who's with you most of the game and you're yeah. chatting all the time and when she's not there the prince is talking to himself yeah um so Which, you're getting that story and personality as you're still playing without interrupting the flow and that stuck around in video I think games it's that he's talking to himself because he's in a very traumatic situation so it it fits mm-hmm. i mean also, one thing about about this game is the way it starts off is it starts off with the narrator, the prince telling you a story about what happened. And you see it from the beginning where he, where he's, he leaves with his dad to go attack a city in India and they take, and you have a little level where you're fighting, you know, soldiers and you're taking, and you're trying to get through this castle before you have the dagger of time where you can't reset things if you die. And it's interesting when you see that, like you see this little part, you're running around. I mean, it's not a very long intro section, but it teaches you the parkour, teaches you how to run across walls, how to jump, how to how to play the game. It's a tutorial, essentially. And then you get the dagger where everything changes. And that's what I like about this game. I love how in that tutorial section, the first time you do anything, it's in slow motion. And by the time, by the fourth or fifth time it happened, I'm just like, all right, this is this is getting a little silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They turn it off, though. <laughs> Eventually, well, it, yeah. It was a big thing, I feel like, too. Oh, and I think this GBA game is kind of a Metrovania title, almost. Oh, cool. I'm not sure, but I saw a map just now as I'm watching it, and he got different abilities as he's progressing through the thing, through the level. So, yeah, I might be playing this. Uh, but <laughs> it's just the way that the game plays the, the PS2 version and on. Is It's like, the I like the intro area pretty cool. Like, it, it's cool being in, like, the whole story of where I didn't realize this at first. I thought Jafar, as I'm going to call him the entire time of this episode, the vizier was already part of the king prince's father's court and not part of the Indian court. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that till the very end of the game when that I, 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 I did not catch it. I, the entire story, like the beginning part, um, and I think it's because I didn't have subtitles on or it doesn't offer a subtitle. There's no option. subtitles. That's um, one of my biggest issue with this game it, is I had for, to play with sound on the entire time. Right. As far as far ahead of this time is for 2003 and really like paving the groundwork for like the modern Ubisoft game. There's certain things are like, wait, I would I would I would have had subtitles. But but either way, like I missed the entire beginning story because whatever. And then like the back half. And then I read like a synopsis. And I'm like, well, actually, they were like terrorizing this town, ta- this other civilization. I'm like, really? I didn't. I missed that entirely. Yeah, uh, I don't so. think they say that. There's definitely stuff I was picking up early on, like when when the prince is like, oh, well, well, don't trust someone who's betrayed their own their own country. I'm like, oh, OK, that's who the Maharaja is. Uh, sorry, the vizier. OK, Jafar, but I mean, I Jafar guess, from Aladdin. 
guy. Yeah, he looks just like him almost. Like he's he is <laughs> Jafar. Part of it is this is you know in history you're playing the Prince of Persia, so like the 1500s. This is what Persia. I think this is what they did. I mean, they con- I mean, you would have you know one of the most powerful nations at the time. They conquered land like this fits it, and they don't see themselves as villains because well, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. He- even from early on, he's like, I need to prove myself to my family. I need to prove myself as a royal. I need to prove myself as my father's son. What What is my legacy going to be? That's a theme from the very beginning of the game. Like the first fight, he's like, I don't, I don't know if this is what I want my legacy to be. I need to steal stuff. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to be a murderer as much as he'd rather be a thief. Mm-hmm. And he has the parkour abilities. And the whole thing with the, with Jafar is that he told the sultan, I think it's the sultan, or whoever the uh, prince's father, that I will betray my, you know, betray him, let you get into the place, but I want first pick of treasure. Because he knew about the dagger and the, and the hourglass. His, his father is named uh, Sharaman. Okay. That don't matter for too long of this of the story. But <laughs> no. I, I do like it. Like, I like the intro. I like the, I forgot that this entire game takes place in somebody else's castle. And there's like, what, there's a, and what, a, cool what a palace, <laughs> what a palace <laughs> it is. That's a, again, it, it, I can, I can buy it because it fits the time. The size. Yes. The, but, but the security is a no. extremely <laughs> dangerous and be <laughs> clearly designed for this exact person to circumvent it. I don't, I'm getting ahead, but Pharaoh seems to navigate this entirely pretty well without having to do any of that. So it seems like our Prince of Persia with, with your help. <laughs> <laughs> And you need her help. Like, in the way you first get introduced to her, like, you have that they captured her as an Indian princess from the, and then they have one little cutscene where they're traveling to the desert and she's chained up to some kind of, thing, you know, transport. And then is when you get to the castle when the game starts where the, they're giving the hourglass to some, they're, to somebody, a sultan or whoever he is, I guess. I don't know. I remember. They're giving the hourglass and then the <laughs> Jafar convinces the prince to put the dagger and put the dagger in for some reason. I don't remember what mm-hmm. he says that convinces him to do it. I know he doesn't tell him the truth, but he tells him to do it. And when he goes to unlock the dagger, the girl breaks free and runs at you. She's like, no, don't do this. Just can't stop you, of course. And this is where you end up unleashing the sands of time on the castle where everything goes to hell. And you turn and you turn everyone but you, her, and a very like w- one other person into sand demons. Do they explain why it doesn't affect those specific people? It doesn't affect the vizier no. either. My guess is because the vizier knew what it was or has some kind of protection against him. He is because he is Jafar, he's a sorcerer. He even has a little snake, you know, snake thing. Uh, my guess is the girl is royal blood of some sort, so maybe it doesn't affect her for that for a reason of that nature. Maybe she has some kind of necklace, let's say, mm-hmm. MacGuffins that the game didn't bother to tell me. Yeah, they they really didn't. <laughs> That's what I guess it, I, is. I mean, because it doesn't matter to the story because the story is a narration of the prince telling you a story. Yeah. Which I think is is so well done. I love that framing device uh, and the way it pays off in the end and and the whole fairy tale vibe. Yeah, it it really works. And like when the game starts off, you don't. I mean, you you find the princess pretty early on, but she doesn't really tell you tells you a little bit about the dagger. But you guys don't trust each other, which makes sense. You just mm-hmm. you know killed her father and took over her kingdom and you know chained her up <laughs> in the desert. So I completely understand she doesn't trust you and you don't trust her. Completely understand. And like the the progression of their of their relationship as the story progresses, like it's, it's really good because it also makes sense because you have to save each other multiple times. You don't have a choice if you want to get through this mess that you're in. And she wants to fix the mess in order for her to fix the mess. 
she needs him to put the dagger back in the hourglass. And they're the only other people around, um, which he says they're going through this traumatic event. And I, I think the line is literally, um, and I admit it, it felt good to have someone else who was made of flesh and blood near me. Well, I mean, just the fact that, this, I mean, you just turn your entire, like people you would have known because your father's army and you turn your father into a freaking sand demon. That is not my father. That was a really cool, like, like the, the, that's where it zagged when it, when most uh, games zig is like, you know, like, oh, well, I'm fighting my dad, but he's like a zombie. That's fine. You know, like, well, I'm still going to like be able to turn him back and we'll be fine. And like, no, you have to kill your dad. Basically, you have to kill your dad zombie. And it's the first like this game doesn't really have boss fights, but yeah. um, that's the closest thing to a boss fight at the, in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Of the game. Yeah. And so, like that was that was interesting, and I thought, like, oh, that that's where like the stakes started, like being like, I started getting invested in the story. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is cool. I think that's also where you meet up with Farah for the first time. Yeah, and, yes, and she helps and, and you, fight. you walk for a while, and, and they have such a, a nice dynamic. Yeah, she helps you fight, and the first time you're like, no, don't, you're you're just gonna hit me with arrows, and then <laughs> turns out she's actually, I mean, she's she is helpful. She is as helpful as friendly AI gets during that yeah. generation, which she means she doesn't pretty... particularly get in the way and will occasionally actually do some damage. Only one time did she become a problem for me, and that was because she kept dying, but I was, that was one particular part near the end of the game we'll get to. Other than that, I really liked having her around because as long as you're smart enough not to sit, be too close to her, the enemies usually go after you and leave her alone. She mm-hmm. got in my way when I was moving a block once, and I could not get her to move to save her life, but... Um... <laughs> But that was the only issue I ever had with her. On my first playthrough, I, I missed a crack and I went through this whole platforming sequence and yes. she just wasn't there. I'm like, yeah, something must be bugged with her. And I remembered that from when I was a kid. I did. I did that this up. week where I got there and he, I went through this whole like challenge thing. And it's like, it's not open. And he's like, oh, I'm coming back. And I was like, well, then clearly I didn't do it fast enough because sometimes they have like these like the challenge right before it was like a ticking timer. Yeah. You have to like walk down and do like five little like platforming challenges and then get back. So I ran, I ran it like five or six times, like re- as fast as I could. Um, and then I just looked at a guy and said, like, you should have pulled this thing away from the wall so she could go hit a switch. And I'm like, are you, <laughs> there were a few parts. Little thing, aren't you? <laughs> There's a few I, things. It's, it's, it's a tough game though, because like it's trying to do this platforming and it's trying to be super organic and put you like in a place that's like realistic. Like there aren't like health pickups. You drink water and so there's not flashing lights of like, this is where you're supposed to go or yes, like, to- well, the game does help you with a save point where it shows you a vision of what to do. Right. And every single time you go into a new room, the camera pans through where you're supposed to go. It, it got more annoying for me every time. I had a, I had trouble in a couple of times where I had to watch a video because I just, my brain just could not comprehend what to do. But so, I mean, part of it's the era PS2 era. Where games mm. is, we're, aren't we're, they're not as nice as what we're used to. Yeah, I, I think, though, like overall, like I'll, I'll, I'm going to undercut it in just a second. But I think overall, the game does a really good job of communicating where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do in an organic way. That's not just like flashing lights and like arrows to say, like, this is where you go, because even like Tomb Raider has like the modern Tomb Raiders, which you really like, have like paint on the walls. Like that's a climbing wall because it's got white paint on it. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or the same type of like flashy texture. That's what you stick your, um, your spikes into climb. Like I know that from the coding of the game. And I feel like this game does a pretty good job of not doing that, but still being pretty clear as to where you're going to go. Like you climb those columns, but then later they turn into like spikes from a cave, but you can still be like kind of reasonably see like, I think I could still do that. 
But then there's parts where it doesn't communicate well or you like, especially the timer challenges. I wish it would, you know, it shows, it tells you like you opened a door kind of like how Doom would. And it even, it even shows the door open, but I wish it like zoomed all the way back to the path to show you like it's going down and this is all you have to go through. Because I would do some of these challenges on a timer and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't mess up. And then I'd get there and I'm like, oh, it's locked. I guess I have to go back or I'd rewind or I'd reload my save state or, you know, like that's what I'd have to do because it was just too much death to walk back or it didn't give you a good quick in and out to get back to the beginning of the challenge to hit the switch to then do the timer again. Mm. That's what save states are for. That's what save states are for. And this game, but I don't no, think I we talked explicitly about the, sa- the sands of time, but they rewind time. So if you like fuck up a jump or you get hit in a battle. Mm. You just rewind it. And I love the unreliable narratorness of it. Like, no, 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 that's not how it happened. Because he's telling you the story. <laughs> it's literally, so he didn't ridiculous. Die. I love be, it, though. Because it, it just invites you to imagine him saying all of it. And it's like, and then I fell off a column and uh, was impaled by spikes. And I slowly bled to death for, wait, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> but there you, aren't, like, gruesome death animations the way, like, Tomb Raider has, though. Speaking of, like, bleeding out. like <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm okay with that. I am but I also love that when you like fuck up a jump, you just immediately die. There's not like a you fall down three levels and have to redo it like Wario Land two style. Like you just die, and it's like just start over from right here. That's fine, which you is know? nice. I mean, the game it's really know. nice. And you the have game the knew what it was time. doing, and the Sands of Time. It, it's basically a live system, but it's a live system that makes sense in this kind of Sorry. cinematic presentation. That it makes sense. Take you out was, of it. Yeah, because I'm like, why do because you, you have a limited resource of the sands. Like, mm-hmm. I think it gets up to like seven or eight, but originally it's like only four or five. And I'm like, oh, well, if I fuck up this jump like five times, I'm still going to get a game over. It's a life system. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I was like, why can't I just have unlimited uses of this? It's and I didn't think about that interesting. either. That's a good way to put it, because that's technically what it is. Yeah. And I think it's especially impressive because trial and error platforming is sort of the core of the series, I think. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back to the older games, less the newer games, maybe maybe we'll talk about the, the next time they rebooted the series a bit later. Um, <laughs> we will at the end of it briefly. But this is a way to let you do that trial and error while keeping this continuous cinematic story. Right. And I think that's just one example of how they modernize a genre that was pretty much dying. Like people were so sick of Tomb Raider at this point. It didn't help that they made five of those on PS1. Mm-hmm. Um, is it that many on ps1 yeah it's one through three chronicles and then i think one more after uh, last revelation and chronicles and nobody like chronicles damn um, that is a lot of them I, I i've only played tomb raider 2 on the ps1 for this show so i have no <laughs> very little experience with them but, but sands of time modernizes all of that in in really neat ways and i think the sands of time is a good example of that Let, let's keep that trial and error while keeping <laughs> yeah. this fairy tale structure because i'm used to Go ahead, Mike. The only real issue with this game is that there's no sub. Well, my my biggest issue: no subtitles. Yeah, I know we mentioned earlier, but I just I can't get over how much because I anyone who listens to the show knows me. I like to play with the sound off or not. Like I like to do other Mm -hmm. things, and I like to read. I couldn't read, and that bothered me a lot because I play games. Also, my wife is home, and she'll be talking to me or things, and you know. It's not it's not the same when you can't read it, and I have to have a headphone in my ear. I'm trying to listen to the game, trying to listen to her, and then. I miss both and doesn't <laughs> not yeah, working well, for me. I, I know I'm no longer in the target demographic, but my my poor hearing can't hear things the same way it used to. Yeah, I, I, need, I, I need, like I need, I need, I, I can hear the sounds, but I need the words. I have like Netflix subtitled oh, all yeah. the time just to hear it. Same. 
and the mixing is so bad in some scenes, like especially yeah. that that boss fight with your dad. There's just like music blaring. It's like, what are they saying? Well, I, I turned down the volume of the music and the fighting and turned up the sound effects. So I could or not sound effects, but the voice. Oh, uh, OK. So, th- so there are volume mixers. Yeah, so I was fine that way because everything because I, I I made it the way I wanted it because I don't I didn't need to hear <laughs> I just want to hear talk. Mm-hmm. But that's how I play. I mean, uh, I, I'm sorry I didn't just turn off music altogether because I just don't care. <laughs> I I'd, I'd like to say I would bet that remake will have subtitles, but I, I think it was Spyro still didn't have subtitles, and they're like it's true to the original vision. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> I just played. I just played Forgotten Sands on 360. Like after I finished uh, Sands of Time, and that has subtitles in it. So it's a good game too. They're, they're aware is. of it. Yo, the, have any of you? Uh, this is a bit of a digression, but have any of you played the Wii Forgotten Sands? No, I I, I just bought Forgotten Sands for uh, for 360 because it was cheap on the Series X. Um, the Wii the one Wii, is the a Wii game's different. different right? game. It's a completely yeah. different game, and it's awesome. It's so good. Like it's, huh. I I think except for maybe this one, I think it's my favorite of the the Sands of Time games. Um, you have my you have my attention now. Yeah, you you can like use the motion controls to put extra grapple points on walls, and it, it's really doing cool things with this formula. Oh, interesting. Huh, if I can find a way to play it without touchscreen, con- without using Wago controls, I might have to try this. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. I hate Wago controls, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I can't play. I I don't play Wii very often for that reason. I I think the only game it worked well for was Sin and Punishment 2 and it worked amazing and the rest and Yeah, and I was like why is this, why why is Treasure not making a uh, Star Fox game? Cuz I feel like Sin <sighs> and Punishment is just a Star Fox game. I wish Treasure yeah. was making games. Yeah, just in general <laughs> so much. <laughs> I miss them so much. One thing we hadn't like one thing about the thing about Prince Persia is it's really Sands of Time that it's really broken into two styles of gameplay. The parkour, which I really enjoy, I think it evolves very well throughout the game, and it it fits the areas as well as it can, considering you know you're in a fantastic world and you know trying to be real. Like it, it fits. I'm a big fan of it. What I don't like as much is I think the combat is very boring in this game. I think mm-hmm. it's and it also frustrated me a lot. I don't like it. I mean, and there's a lot of it too. Like you when you fight, Wait, I'm there's like Ugh. too much. Yeah, I I like parts of it. I, I really like how you have these different enemy types and you need to do different moves and you need to finish enemies off. So you're always thinking about space and how long the animations are like, like there's cool stuff in the combat, but every time you fight, there are like three or four waves and you're going to be there for five minutes, basically doing the same thing. I, mm-hmm. I really did get to the point very quickly where I'd roll my eyes whenever I saw enemies. Right. It doesn't. Well, and- and it's poorly designed because the waves don't happen in full waves. They you kill an enemy or two, then you have to you have to kill them with the while they're on the ground, or else they'll come back to life. And then more enemies will spawn, just but like with like flashes, they don't run in from anywhere that's like mm-hmm. logical. And this game is so like built like in a space where it like wants you to like walk literally everywhere, or it even shows like Pharaoh like she went through a crack to get to somewhere else. So like. It wants to have this like logical built in real worldness, but then it just has enemies just appear from nowhere. And it's really frustrating. It's like, did I not kill that one? Especially in the first few combats, really. Did I not stab him? And that's why he came back from dead. Or did another one spawn? And how many more of these things am I going to have to deal with before the game just says like, all right, we're done with this kill room. They do just spawn in, don't they? Yeah. yeah they just, it, you all of a sudden you see the sand go weird. right there. 
it's a because ram it's, issue is it's a it's a ram issue is honestly what it is is because the game is taking up so much ram to remember for the rewinding they can only have so many characters oh, on that's screen interesting. yeah and that's why they just in so. and that's a prince of persia thing like the combat's always terrible I, I i think in literally every prince of persia game the combat's just bad i i recall that warrior within was supposed to be more combat focused and i think that's why people rebelled against it on it, top it of is mother tone more combat focused and they add new metal to all the fights yeah just new metal dual wielding it was like god or something in it's the so stupid and then in forgotten sands it's like well this is how the prince turned dark and then in two thrones <laughs> it's like you know that was kind of weird let's uh, <laughs> you're chasing this dark prince around like it, it was the age of jack 2 every game is doing that uh, yeah <laughs> jack 2 though good game warrior yeah. within not not as much I kind of want to play it again, though, after this. I had so much fun replaying Sands of Time. Yeah, because what is it? Warrior Within is like the second one, and then Forgotten. Is it not? Two, not is it Two Kingdoms or something? And they tried thrones. to like, do like Two Thrones. They tried to do a course correct. And the Forgotten I, Sands came out like years later with the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. And that takes that place was, between one and two. Yeah, it takes place between one and two. And the, there was the, re, the reboot with Nolan North. Okay. Before that. It is a good game, but people it's pretty. didn't like it. It's gorgeous. Ooh. Well, they, I love I, they, they still sell. They don't have an ending on that game and they sell it for ten dollars. They still sell it on the Xbox. Market it has place. an ending. You just have to buy the DLC It's for ten dollars. Still, <laughs> I, I've, I've heard some people say it's better without that. Like the ending is more interesting if you don't it do is. that. OK, <laughs> I never finished it. I, I should. It's, I really like the game and I highly recommend it. Cool. So. It's randomly still on sale. I've seen on the Xbox marketplace for like five to ten dollars. Right now it's twenty, but cool. it's not worth twenty anymore. I I, I, ha- I have it on GOG, I think. Um, okay. Did you but, guys but, talk about the enemies yet? Not really. I mean, they're like, and I don't even it, know the descriptive types. I know like some of these ones I can't jump over because like you you primarily yeah. are using uh, I don't even <laughs> know what the West button is for most of your. I can't. Was that the right one? Yeah, I don't remember now. It's um, the blue guys are the soldiers from your father's army. Okay. Where the red guys are the soldiers of the Sultan's army, essentially. The main difference is you just fight different soldiers. Some have spears, some have swords. Is depending the on how they ladies. look. Yeah, which are. It just depends on what kind of moves because you only really have a couple different. You have your slash. You have a of your sword. You have a dagger. A dagger stab. And then you have you can jump over people and smack them, and certain people you can't jump over because they'll react differently. And and you can jump off walls, which is your most powerful attack. That that one one hit kills most enemies. Really, I actually did not do it to the end of the game, unfortunately. Yeah, um, the 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 preview things will occasionally show you. Hey, this is the move you use for this enemy. This is the move you use for this enemy. And that's where I started getting interested in the combat because all your moves are based on your position and your enemy's position and you need some space from enemies to actually finish them off. Even if you're doing the, the dagger counter, which is an instant kill an instant absorb. Oh, I don't think I ever did that. Well, it's slow. That's, that's the thing. So people can knock you out of it. Uh, so you really need to think about where am I going to be after this attack? Am I going to have time to finish this off? Can I use meter to say, freeze this person? I, I think there is cool stuff going on with the combat. I think there's just way too much of it. When, yeah. when you're fighting humans, when you're fighting anything that's not human, it's just absolutely awful. Yeah, I, just, I feel like if it was if it was just there's three or four of these here, and then I walk down the map, and three or four more come out. But if, the fact that they spawn mm. while I'm co- doing combat, 
frustrates me. I feel like if they just changed that, I'd be a lot happier with it. Like, but the thing is, the combat is, I didn't realize anything about that spacing, but I, did, I was like, there's not many buttons to push here. But you're still like jumping and flipping and moving your sword in cool ways. And I think that that's like a core thing about this game is like it's it's got fairly simple button inputs. You don't do a lot of thinking, or at least I didn't. <laughs> but you look awesome doing it, so you feel so cool, cool doing it. <laughs> it's like, this... look, I pressed A and I did a cartwheel flip where I jumped over the dude's spear and then stabbed him in the back. And all I did was press like A and then X. But man, I looked cool. So I'm happy. And the parkour is the same way. It's like, oh, you like hold your hand out and trail this banister and jump off it and slide down and just miss this spike wall. Like I run on the wall and all I did was hold R. It's really dumb when you think about it. Like when you take a but step it's back. So cool. And then and I jumped and then I wall jumped and then I flipped. But really, all I did was hold R1. It's still cool. I don't care. It is. <laughs> they they, they master that, make you look cool while doing simple stuff. It's really impressive. And you're actively reading the room. I, I guess we're moving from combat to platforming here. That's fine. Uh, but, but, but they they really master ways to let you read the room based mm-hmm. on your agility. And to me, that's what makes it cool. Like, oh, I see this line. I can do this. Can I actually pull that off? And of course you can. It's easy. Yeah, I, I feel like this game is still fairly like on rails. Like there's only one way to do most of these challenges. Unlike and, and that, that that's where I get like stuck with like Tomb Raider and Uncharted sometimes and even Assassin's Creed. I'm like, there's only one way to go here. So like sometimes I'm like, this is, you know, then why am I even doing this? And I, I think what really broke the um, immersion for me on the genre was the Uncharted for Vita, where you literally just pushed with your finger where miss. you want yep. him to walk. Um, I had that exact thought, and, <laughs> and I just realized, wait, this is all automatic. Yeah, which which I don't think is as much the case in Sands of Time. You at least need to know what you're doing and solve the puzzle to get through yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I think I think the back half of the game is much more complex in its like clockwork puzzles than the than the first half. The first half, mm-hmm. like you're only pretty much it's pretty straightforward. Like you're going to do this, you're going to jump on this thing. It's the only way to go, and then there's no doubling back even. Speaking of clockwork puzzles, can we shout out that one guard in the uh, when you're activating the security system who's like, oh, my character's far away from the prince, so I'm going to deliver all my dialogue <laughs> like this. It's a different time for voice acting. Oh. <laughs> shout, shout outs to that guy. I hope that voice actor has a happy life. The, the funny thing about that is how many problems that one scene caused. <laughs> I mean, if you happen. wouldn't. Because the whole idea is that you have this guy's like, you need to activate the security system. You got to raise these pillars. And you go through and you do all this and activate all these traps. And the traps don't even bother the sand ghost. They just bother you a lot. So and, and he immediately dies because it also opens the gates. I feel like I would just have left those open after a while. I would have gotten so like just frustrated with the security system. You know, like when you like leave the fridge open for five seconds because you're like, ah, it's not worth closing it and then reopening it. Like that's that's how I would be with the security systems of this building. Hmm. The voice acting, though, is uh, the voice actor for the prince, though, is speaking of voice acting, is uh, Yuri Lowenthal, mm-hmm. who voiced uh, Spider-Man in the PS4 Spider-Man's. I know. I always think of uh, Yusuke from Persona 4. Yeah, that's what he also was in. I saw that, too. Yeah. I, I I knew he was Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he was Yusuke from P4. I can't I, even yeah, think of who Yusuke is, and I just I played P4 not that long ago. He's the he's like the, the first best, friend you have, best right? Fri- yeah, best friend homophobic character. Oh, okay. 
Yosuke. Yosuke. Yosuke is a Persona 5 character. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Isn't Yosuke from you? You No, it's you. You Hakusho? I'm looking it's at his, his filmography. It says he was the protagonist of Persona 3, but I never played that one. And oh, I, I okay. Persona 3 uh, main character talked. So. It's I, on I my mean, list of he, games I want to get to. Yeah, he is. A, <laughs> he is a silent protagonist, but he yells the name of every persona in the game occasionally when you use them. Oh, really? So that's his voice okay. actor. Yeah. And here is your Steam code. This one can be for Torchlight 2 for Steam. Uh, the code is A N L E V B O X G G R K M V X. And that might be a zero, not an O if it doesn't work. So I can't. It looks like an O to me, but just let you know. All right. And thank you. Hope you enjoy Torchlight 2, whoever you are. It's the I mean, same. It, the game, Sands of Time, has like when you don't have the dagger and you can't rewind, I'm always upset. Like <laughs> There comes a point near the end of the game, story wise, where he doesn't have the dagger. And I just do not like I don't like when I can't wide rewind anyway. But <laughs> I'd go to rewind. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't shift it. I go F1. All right. Problem solved. <laughs> I was absolutely playing um, Forgotten Sands, and I don't know if there's a, a sand rewinding or not because I only played like 30 minutes of it. Every time I died, I, I, my, my finger pushed that button <laughs> as I was dying, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess we can't do that here. Do the sequels have the same rewinded mechanic? No. Yeah, I, I'm pretty okay. sure they do. Never mind. Okay. I, I've never played two, and I've never played three. Two, two, I loved Two Thrones at the time. I don't know if it holds up, but I, I rented that, and I'm just like, that was amazing that was such a good time there's almost like stealth sequences like you can get around certain mm-hmm. combat scenarios by hey doing, that sounds good yeah if you do more uh more complex platforming and you can like do stealth kills and you know jumping from rooftops which would be a big part of assassin's creed mm-hmm. um, no i mean this game is the groundwork of assassin's creed it's the same team mm-hmm. yeah which i i love assassin's creed so i do too i read something really interesting around the time assassin's creed came out that the free running was supposed to give the joy of designing a platforming sequence in Sands of Time to a player, like oh. that extra freedom. Huh. And I, that's just a fascinating idea to me. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's the my, my my issue with this game compared to like Assassin's Creed and other games is the the platforming doesn't feel very fast. It feels very much like stop and go, which is very I think consistent with the PC game, the original. It's very puzzle. Yeah, it's not like I'm running and then jumping. I'm not super meat boying through anything here. So, and Assassin's Creed does that a little more. I, I I had seen the the beginning of Assassin's Creed that this game Assassin's Creed started off as Prince of Persia assassin, and okay. you you were an assassin like escorting a prince. So the Prince of Persia was actually like the NPC character, um, because the creators are like princes suck, like they're dumb because like they don't have any power and they're just like rich kids who just like live around and like kind of wait for their dads to die. And I go, well, not exactly when I'm thinking out like Princess Diana like did things. But but at the same time, I'm like, I get that. He's like, princes are dumb. I want to be an assassin. And like, I'll lure this like rich. I'll like escort this rich kid around. And I'm like, ah, I can see now the beginning of Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. That's where that came from. So, oh, yeah, it's all here. And I love that. I oh, actually own I still have my PS2 copies of the game. I bought this. I should. We should say while we all play. I bought this on PC, but because I don't have save states on PC. I played a GameCube emulator of this game because I have to cheat because it's me. Yeah, I, I owned it on GameCube and I think I gave it to a friend. I play most of my games on my phone on Dolphin just because it's easier for me than having to plug things in or hog up the TV because I have, I have two kids. 
So I ended up playing a lot of video games like in the recliner while we're watching like PJ Masks or something. Well, you're so, a father. That's what happens. Yes. <laughs> I had this game, I think on GameCube when I was a kid. GameCube or PS2. And for this, I still had the PC version, which I got as a teen and modded it to run really nicely. And it's a great version of the game, which is good because I hear the actual remasters are, are pretty bad. The PS3 ones. I have that too. They're they're remastering this one. I think it comes out next year now. It was announced last year. They're remaking it, I think. Yeah, it's a complete remake. Cool. I'll I'll play that. I hope it's good. I hope it has subtitles. (laughs) Me too. Subs, not dubs. It It really should have subtitles. I kind of want to play all these now. I I, I had such a blast revisiting this. Well, I think I can make that happen. (laughs) If I plan on putting another one on the show later, so. No, because I need to go back and finish the series, this trilogy someday. I do want to check out uh, 08 just because it looks pretty. It's really good. I'm I'm very interested in that. I also kept forgetting there's some things I can't do. Like I would try to because I know in the later Prince of Persia games, like I would see like banners like, oh, I'm going to go over that banner and I'll go down like, nope, nope, I won't. And I just fall to my death because in the other games, he'll put his sword into the banner and slide yeah. down banners. That's cool. I didn't add that in this game. I would forget. I forgot a couple times. Like, oh, yeah, there were. The, the parkour does get very complex, like we were saying earlier, in the second half of the game. And I, I like when it gets more complex. I mean, I enjoy simpler because it's me, but it did get challenging point. But there are certain points where I just my brain just could not comprehend what to do. And I'm like, I'm looking up a video. Screw this. There, there's there's certain times for, for as much credit as I give this game. And it really is like, I mean, the fact that like context sensitive wise, like it knows you're trying to jump up the wall versus running sideways most of the time. Most of the time. Um, jumping versus dropping like it it knows you most of the time which is i still think a really tough thing to like be psychic for player intention and i think this game does a really good job but when it messes up it messes up <laughs> and then Talking about assassin's creed <laughs> <laughs> and i've lost my point but that's okay I'm uh, sorry. I, I think the game gives does does a really good job of knowing what you want to do but then there's points where it doesn't communicate very well like i think that there's like a few times where like there's a high bar that you're supposed to like do your kind of like, you know, gymnastics, flip mm-hmm. around, flip around high bar and then jump up to a higher bar. And it just doesn't look like it makes visual sense. So you don't even think to try it. So there are a few times like that where I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to do this. So that messed with me a few times. But I had a, a few situations where I couldn't figure out what to do. And it was something simple. It just might I couldn't I wasn't noticing the jump where it was. Yeah, so I get I, that. I think someone, I think Vincent brought up earlier that when you make a mistake, they kill you immediately. So I, I, I think that helped this sort of a band aid, just like, oh, clearly that wasn't what I was supposed to do. Let's rewind and try this. Yeah, because yeah, Laura Croft will <laughs> fall and then like lose half her health. And you're like, well, I clearly just messed up. I'll try that. I'll try, I'll try that jump again. I mean, you'll lose your health in this game if it's not a fatal jump, but all the fatal jumps just fix it nice and simple. Yeah. And I think it is worth keeping in mind, if you think about how Tomb Raider plays, moving around in 3D space in a way this complicated was still pretty new. And I I think they did a pretty good job of this, which you can clearly see with uh, how much it has this like influenced a... like Uncharted and later mm-hmm. uh, even the later Tomb Raider games. Yeah, no, the Parker yeah. works well in this game. It, it's sometimes a little confusing, like where you can go. I mean, a lot of it was in my head, I noticed like immediately, but. There were some points that weren't, but it was I, I when I died, you know, from being stupid, it didn't it didn't bother me. Like, OK, like I just, you know, I missed time my button presses or I wasn't usually not being patient enough. Mm-hmm. And all the we I, I know we mentioned the traps a little bit, but man, those traps make I mean, it's cool from a gameplay 
you know, point, but it's just funny from the story point. Like we were mentioning how it's all your own fault that you're dealing with all these traps. And they're so convoluted. But yeah, sometimes the design is so cool. There's there's one that really stuck out to me where you're running, you're on a timer and you're running through all these pillars and bars and jumping from wall to wall. And then right before the door, there's a line of spike floors. And it's like, yep. oh, I need to walk through this slowly while I'm watching the doors slowly close in front of me. I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, that's design. what you do? Yeah. 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 I need yeah, to the, jump the, and took the, the hit the, and the I went through a door f- probably. The spike floors, um, if you walk slowly on them, they don't trigger, which I didn't Oh, realize. I didn't know that. I just take the hit. I just avoided them. <laughs> no, I was like, well, I guess I have to do this. Yeah, there, uh, I know you could walk over them. It, it, it kind of made more sense in the original games because it's in 2D, and it's just like, oh, you're moving slowly and walking like past the spikes, like weaving through them. But whatever, I guess there's 16th century motion sensors here. Well, make, I, I can buy it. But no, uh, the traps are just, I mean, they, they add some nice like, complications to the game too. And they, they're amusing sometimes when you just see the way they are and you see like, just they're everywhere. <laughs> and the realize up as time progresses too, like you'll see more and more damage happening in different areas. And you do go to a lot of different places of this castle. You go to a zoo at one point, you go to yeah, cool. a, a dungeon, which I think is cool. There's one line of dialogue. He's like, I've never been to the dungeon in our castle before or something like that. He, you know, and he, he makes a comment about it. And I like that. Mm-hmm. And and the zoo where he's like, oh, I always wanted to go here as a kid, and now it's terrifying. And that gorgeous bathhouse, just lots of cool biomes. And the 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 whole idea of how you drink water to refill your health, I really do like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool like, and it work. You can do it in combat too. It's not the most effective or good idea, but you can do it in combat. I did it all it the time. A good idea sometimes. You have also, to sometimes. Also, like Vincent bad. was talking about, one of the things that is uh, easy to do by accident when you're in combat. If you're standing in water and trying to run somewhere. Well, you have to divert the enemies and get them to follow you in one section, and then you can run back and drink the water. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll spawn next to you, but you have a couple seconds. Did you realize you can roll under the blade trap? Yes. Uh, it took me a few times, but yes, I did uh, realize that eventually. That was cool. The, the, the things that like... Yep. Yeah. Uh, no way. Uh, I was like, I couldn't figure out if I wasn't getting the timing right, and then you just press A to roll under. And this game does a decent amount of giving you like you finish an area or even in a fight like oh here's a fountain to get watched you know to heal up like it does a good job of doing that and it only has like two hidden things in this game that i want to mention quickly one are sand tanks that you find or throughout the game you'll dig you'll shove your dagger into it and you can get more sand so you can do more special attacks where you freeze an enemy then you cut them in half and then you get more rewinds also yeah you, you get more tanks as you absorb enemies which happens really easy oh, yeah, that too. really really quickly and, and you, then you also Prince of Persia one. What about Prince of Persia? Oh yeah, yeah. You, you can... There's one wall you can break and, and get it at least in the GameCube version. Oh yes. yeah, I, I don't think it's in the PC version. I, I didn't really hunt for it. It got patched out in the. It's not in the PS3 version either. So I'm assuming it was a right issue. That makes sense. I think I think you can then play it on your GBA with a connection. If I'm not <laughs> mistaken, I might be. That's wrong cool. About it. Kind of a Metroid Prime, Metroid Fusion thing. <laughs> that is kind of cool. I, I didn't know it was there until I watched. The completion of this video and he mentioned it because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to play the original Prince Persia anyway, but it's cool that it's there. I, this was a thing during this era too where they would put old games on there, which probably now would be a rights issue, but as someone who loves the kind of cinematic platformer genre, like I love Out of This World, I love Flashback, I, I can't get into the original Prince of Persia. <laughs> two Two's another story. Two is a cool game, but one is too dated for me. Mike? No, I'm still here. Oh, he laughed. I lost y'all for like 30 seconds. Oh, oh, I heard him talking. As long as it's on Mike's end, that's fine. 
That's fine. I have Sorry. No well, now you have an edited around 51 minutes, Mike. Yeah, so. I, <laughs> I don't like <laughs> original Prince of Persia. I don't like some, as you were just saying, I do not like those type of games, like Flashback, all those I think are not my kind of game at mm-hmm. all. I like Prince of Persia, but I like this Prince of Persia, though. <laughs> I, I can't play the old cin- cinematic platformer, so they're not my thing. They're, they're def- they definitely are uh, an acquired taste, let's say. And the other one other thing, I, and then you also have health upgrades where you find hidden rooms, which are like a hallucination for him, which I really like. Yeah, he, it's goes cool. in, he goes in this room that's all that's there. You walk through all these curtains, you drink from a fountain, he gets healed, he gets extra health, and then the door that you went in disappears. And there's even one point when Ferris with you, and he's like, "Did you just see that?" He's like, "Where'd I go?" She's like, "You didn't go anywhere. You're right here." And like only he can see them. It's it's a very cool when it happens. The the later Sands of Time games goes a little more into the idea that he is cursed by time in some sense as someone who's screwed with the timeline, yeah. which both gives him weird powers and has some uh, major consequences, let's say. Well, I never played Warrior Within because I heard that the game was, they, they made it where there's more scenes of you having to do Parker while being chased after things. And I'm like, nope, never played. There, there is, in fact, a lot of that. I own it. It's actually right to my left on GameCube. Ah, I actually have both of these on GameCube. Nice. Hmm. I don't know why, but I do. Okay. Um, I never finished Warrior Within. It's the only one of the trilogy I haven't, and I'd uh, probably will someday. I don't I'll know. Hit you up next season. Okay. Uh, there, there is one more thing I want to mention. What, like, definitely my biggest criticism at this game, and I wonder if it bothered anyone else, is how frequent the interruptions are. Like. The, the the pacing is an interesting thing because so much of the game is about that forward momentum, the storytelling, our characters talking or narrating while you're moving. And then every time you walk into a new area, they need to pan around and have this unskippable cutscene showing you what you're about to go through. Every time you save, you need to watch kind of an abridged version of that. I ended up skipping save points for a while just because it was uh, annoying me. You can skip the cutscene, though, in the save point. Uh, in the same point, you can, but not when you walk into a room. Yeah, I I didn't bother me because I usually needed it because I need to know what the hell is going on. <laughs> mm. I think um, I, I can see it both ways. Like I, I I like it. Like I'm thinking of like the Mario Sunshine, which is probably the worst example I could give. But they at least say like this is where you're supposed to go, and I like that. And I like the pull the camera pulling back to show you like in the context that's where you're supposed to go. I like mm. that, but I also like the the portal version or. I, I'm just calling these uh, this whole genre traversal puzzles, but like oh, Portal sure. or the new Tomb Raiders, like specifically the challenge dungeons where you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do? <laughs> oh, I figured it out is a really good trigger for you. So if you don't know what you're supposed to do and then you figure it out, that is like a real good dopamine hit. So I can kind of see it both ways. It, it's more just the waiting that bothered me. Just the waiting. I, yeah. I walk into a room and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm moving fast. I'm agile. I'm having a good time. And then I just need to, I don't know. It, it shouldn't matter that much. It's just like 30, 40 seconds, but they're, they're constant. Yeah. They I feel are like if there, this game, this game was built with auto saves and didn't have those. I think it would go faster, which I feel like forgotten sands. The, the little bit I played seemed to have auto saves. Oh yeah. Well, that's 360 gen. So everything yeah. was 360, 360 little, little era is when games um, really get, they get checkpoint happy and they get easier and much more able to play for people like me. Yeah, I wonder it's, if it's that could be a technology thing where it's just easier to write to their hard drives than it is to write to the. That, I, I don't know. There, there are PS2 games that do that, like the Ratchet really? games do that. I, I, I think, think it's very much the whole renting thing, too, because renting was gone away and that played such a big part in game being harder and longer than they needed to be because they didn't want you to rent it. They want you to buy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and, part of it. 
also another I feel like another part of it was just games were changing where one time a game would be very great and oh this game is only six dollars too short for your sixty dollars don't buy it like yeah there, that that went away in the 360 era with multiplayer and other things where people are more just like the game's good has a complete story and I'm had enough like that's fine and we we really got to that point now but we weren't there in PS2 era and you see this more and more every generation you're trying for these big budget games you're trying to court a larger audience you're not trying to court the people who you know can do these sorts of things in their sleep people who <laughs> played a, a hundred video games before that's just not yeah necessarily the target audience for this game i think well not for any big you know yeah and that, I, I i mean more so in forgotten sands more so in 360 okay. games and also like with this with sands of time there is no difficulty selection which at the time when i first played this i love games that didn't have difficulty selection because I would automatically go to normal or I'd want to go to easy and I'd feel like, you know, I'm a baby for wanting to play easy where now I'm like, I want difficult selections all the time. Give me the very easiest where the game just looks at me and don't hurt me and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. But that's because, well, when I play. Yeah, I, I, I think those certain games, though, like when it gets easy, it like lo- loses gameplay nuance sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just damage. Not when you uh, play a game. Or- a- well, yeah, that's more when you're a tourist. But like, <laughs> you know, like I, I will say like, the first like 10% of this game or the first like two worlds of any Mario game, I'm like bored to tears by because they're just like not tuned to my difficulty level. Cause I like, they don't add any interesting nuance to it. Mm-hmm. Cause this game was very on rails for me. The first 10%, I think it got really interesting to me How? because the saved files also say like how far you are in the game, which I think is really funny. And yeah. so I was like, I'm like uh, between like 20 to 50%. I was like really good. And then once bats started messing with my platforming, then it started getting hard. <laughs> Um, how how difficult did y'all find this game? It wasn't too bad until near the end. Yeah. Near the end, it started I, I, beating me. I, I think there were certain points where I, I expect certain niceties, like my health refilling, that I saved mm. myself like with the proper game save and then got trapped with these stupid birds on a platforming thing that like I could not get up the platform fast enough to avoid an attack. And I only had like one hit to give. Like that's where the game got really frustrating because yeah. I basically like almost locked myself into this file. Um, I I remember the narrative around when this game coming out that that it was very difficult, um, and I, I don't think it's an easy game. There there are times where I would have said this was an easy game, and I I, I don't think that's really fair. But it's yeah, I, I didn't think it, I didn't think it was brutally difficult either because of the concept of the you know rewinding time. It helps where you know you have a lot more tries. Where I mean, yes, I I say I it a lot in this game, but it wasn't. It got a lot more as I got into the second half of the game. And like near the point, because there's a the whole story that you're trying, you're you're progressing through this castle, and eventually you find out, hey, I gotta get to this tower, and the tower is where the hourglass is that started this whole problem. And it's around there, like there's a part you go in an elevator where I had where you go up this long elevator, you have a huge battle, and I had to literally save state each enemy and do things differently because I kept killing Farah at one point because I kind of screwed up and had them too close to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had to do different. I had to like figure out exactly what to do to get out of this this situation I put myself in with save states, and that was difficult. But that, that's also part of what checkpoints are supposed to do is to avoid that. I know I use my own checkpoints, but yeah, I mean I would have a hard time with some of the platforming. I mean usually I could do it all right. It's just the combat got very annoying. But you do I get, remember yeah, when I first played too. This. I remember when I first played this. I thought it was brutally difficult. Like I, I really did think that. And well, I wonder if it's. A, this is my fourth time playing this game. B, I'm a yeah. lot more 
I would uh, say moving through 3D space. But in your I, defense, this is one of the first games that really had parkour like this, where we weren't, mm-hmm. we didn't have Assassin's Creed yet. We didn't have other Prince of Persia games. We didn't have games where you're climbing on walls and jumping off things. This was very, like, this is my first game ever playing something like this. And, mm-hmm. and I hadn't played Celeste at this point. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing is I'm much more used to this genre now than I was in 03. But also I played and <laughs> I hate making this. I don't hate this. I love this comparison. One of my favorite games of all time, I covered it for my YouTube series that was a game, is Dragon's Lair 3D. I don't know why. <laughs> Dragon's Lair 3D for the GameCube, uh, it's like from fall 2002. It sold nothing. It's terrible. But it's also <laughs> it's just all, traver- it's all traversal puzzles where you walk into a room and everything's trying to kill you. And then you go somewhere and the controls are crappy and the moves are crappy, but you die and then it re- immediately respawns you. So I'm used to dying like a lot in these kind of bullshit 3D puzzles. So it reminded me a lot of Dragon's uh, Dragon's Lair 3D. And I'm like, yeah, I love this. This is perfect. And then it has the same control methods as one of my other favorite games that I always mention, Mike, uh, iNinja, where you do like run on the walls. (laughs) iNinja Rules also came out in fall 2003. They got like buried. Um, Yeah, people don't talk about that game. That game's so good. We will be. It feels so good to control. Now that I follow two volunteers. I love iNinja. I just mentioned two Don Bluth games back to back, by the way. That probably says something about me. But <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I was used to that. And then once I get past Portal and you get past Uncharted and Tomb Raider, coming back to this doesn't seem that difficult. The mm. combat's kind of bullshit, but the platforming is fairly easy and straightforward once you've got your, that mindset. And back then it was different. And it is intimidating. You have all these instant kill trap, these really elaborate movements. And now that's kind of what I go for in games. I play like, but I have 90 hours in Celeste. Uh, I've been playing Downwell Spire. I played a bunch of Super Meat Boy. Like platformers are are my bread and butter now. Yeah. But, and, I, yeah. I, and I think once you realize that like the death doesn't matter, it yeah. changes your view on the game. Like my son is playing Metroid Dread right now and he's terrified of the Emmys because they kill him. I'm like all they do is kill you and you go back to the front of the area. That's all they do. Mm. It doesn't matter. Like, they're not scary. Like, the worst thing you can do is you lose 10 seconds of progress. It's fine. Yeah. So. There's a story thing with the Emmys that creeped me up, but I had that exact thought. Just like, I, these are frustrating enough that I'm glad the checkpoints are like this, but I wonder what kind of experience I could have had if they had real consequences here. Right. Exactly. Uh, and of course, There's in, no, in Sands of Time, there being no consequences is, is part of the plot. You literally undo the story of this game. Yeah. Which is cool. It's really cool, especially because that's my first thought when I'm like, oh, time travel. You can reverse things. Can we just reverse the inciting incident? And you totally can. And it's so cool. <laughs> but you need the hourglass to do it. You do. And that's you why that I think it's like, give me it. the dagger. And he's like, no. Oh, she dies. And I was like, wait, what? <sighs> mm-hmm. I got but a couple. I also killed my dad. So I was kind of expecting this to be super bleak. <laughs> yeah, which makes sense. I mean, it, it figured that it would have, you know, have a lot of consequences for what he did. Mm hmm. But there was one thing that I do want to talk like you get different weapons throughout the game. You get a couple upgraded swords, which let you break walls and do a little bit more damage, I think. Then you get one sword near the end of the game that just rips people apart. Like mm-hmm. all this, you don't have because you lose your dagger. Oh, really I like that because you lose your dagger because he's stupid. He gets a vision of Farah taking the dagger. So he starts not trusting her. And he's like, why would she trust me? Even though you've gone through all this stuff together, all of a sudden now he can't trust her. And because he gets this vision where you get to the hourglass, she tells you, put the dagger in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to beat the game. He's like, no, I don't think I will. And then Jafar pops in and ruins everything for a moment. And I got irritated at this point. I'm like, no, I want the game to end. I need to stop playing. I need to beat this. It's Saturday. I got to record tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) That's always the issue with 
that's always the issue with playing games on a deadline. You, you just have a different relationship with it. Um, yeah, I, it, I, I think thematically that's a fun idea, especially because that's how the story progresses. It's a, Is it's your relationship with Thera? It's it's why I now switch up my cast of people on the show every single week to get different people in because nobody should have to do what I do because mm-hmm. I haven't met anyone that insane that can do this <laughs> for for long for too long. I I don't know if. I don't know if any of you listened to the uh, the Fire Escape cast, uh, another video game podcast, but they they had a long talk about what being and what being a gaming journalist can do to how you see video games, which I thought was pretty fascinating. That would be, that would be interesting. I mean, I'm not a gaming journalist, but I'm trying to become one in one sense. Mm-hmm. You, I <laughs> so mean, it, you give you give yourself deadlines and have to play games that way. So you're yeah, definitely a gaming I, reviewer. Yeah, but even before I did this, I would try to beat as many games a year as I could, and I was beating well over 52 a year. Like, I had 100 one year, or almost 100. Like, I just, that's just how I was before, so I figured, why not turn it into a podcast? Mm-hmm. But where I'm, where just, I'm like, like I said, I, I just put my 90th hour into Celeste, and that game is I, I six hours long. <laughs> I, I have, like, even before the podcast, I was very much like, play a game, beat a game, get the ending, move on, play another game, because I have... Seven bookshelves near me full of different games that I've collected mm-hmm. over the years that I've probably played, you know, 20% of them. It's just, so I've always, was always trying to get their games and that's where this show comes from. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a tall, not a wide person. I'm, I'm getting into arcade games, which tend to be 20 minutes long and expecting yeah. to play them for 50 hours. Can't yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm more like, oh, I'll play like 30 minutes of Prince of Persia GBA and I'll tell you about it. My thoughts. And then I, I got the taste. I don't need mm-hmm. I don't need to see it through to the end. Um, so the, the reason I'm interested in playing that, have any of you played the uh, GBA Splitter Cell? No. It's no. really cool. It, it's just, how do you do this kind of stealth game on a 2D plane? Is it um, overhead like a Metal Gear? Like a no, Metal no. Gear? It's it's side-scrolling. Weird. Mm. And they do it pretty well. And there's a Batman Begins game, which uh, has the same engine. The, on all platforms, the Batman Begins games were just Splinter Cell games, which is kind of neat. I do really want to play Batman Begins on GameCube or PS2. Yeah, or I have that. I've been wanting. I never to do played that, that version. My, I've been wanting to do that for my show. Also, I've been wanting to do all the the Batman games that came out in that era, have including Ubisoft also published Batman Rise of Shinsu, where they tried to Jim Lee or somebody created like a special villain for that. They're like, this is the first appearance of this Batman villain, Shinsu, who's going to appear in comics and stuff. Curious. <laughs> It's garbage, but but it's yeah, also I, like I it's like it the TAS crew, and it, yeah, so like another Ubisoft buried in Fall 2003 game. <laughs> you know, when I do year in gaming 2003, I'm gonna have to have you on. I think. Oh, it was a year. It was a year. What else? What else was that year? I remember. I mean, it's Wind Waker year. Oh, oh Wind Waker. Uh, so- when you're, the thing about the story, though, I like like I love the relationship, and just after this part happens, where he puts the dagger in and doesn't do what he's supposed to do because he you know stops himself and jafar comes and interrupts mm-hmm. him you fall down a hole and you end up in a tomb and you have my least favorite part of this entire game where you're like have a hallucination puzzle where you hear farah talking you have to go through different doors mm-hmm. to me i hate this part and the the water rushing it's just i i just remembered what to do because i got stuck first time i played it i had to look up a guide and i and i did what the guide said but it's like there were to me there were no clues that would have told you what to do and it just it really upset me it, it actually did make me upset. <laughs> so, I, 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 I enjoyed the change of pace, but I, I got through it pretty quickly. Okay. It might have been a me thing where I, again, I was I was tired last I, night. I had to beat this game for today's recording. I'm just like, let's just get this done. So that could have been part of it, too. 
And it's definitely, let's have a, a change in the kind of puzzles we're doing here. Yeah, I just wasn't a fan of this part. But I every game I play, whether before the podcast, you know, it I get to a point in the game where I'm like, okay, time for game to be done. And sometimes the game just doesn't want to be done. Yeah, this this was long. This was longer than I expected. Um, and I was at that point here where I was like, okay, game done. Wrap up. Game done. <laughs> Move on. Game done. <laughs> it wouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. So that was that was. I do like it though because you have like little. You have them getting closer than you have. This is where she's running away from you because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. She has a dagger and she's trying to save, and you have to go chase after her. And then you finally get to her, and as we'd mentioned earlier, she dies. <laughs> Briefly, yes. Jafar kills her. She's better. And this is when I finally found out that Jafar was actually part of the Indian work for the Indian council that you screwed that you messed that you attacked, which I did Mm. not know. Yeah, he was a traitor that ended up working for you. Yeah. And they They do kind of just throw you in. It's just like, hey, we're in a big battle and wild stuff is going on. Let's start the game with some floral language, some like very flowery language. And this is, it has a cool scene where like the visor, like I was expecting a boss fight and the visor confronts you and you just speed up time is what it looked like to me and which you don't have the ability to do in this game and run over and shove the dagger into the hourglass before he can stop you, which then he resets the entire game back when um, he wakes up at camp. The, it, during slow motion, you move faster than the enemies around you and oh, I assume that's what was happening. Okay. I didn't catch that. And that was cool. Like, that was a cool yeah. scene. And he wakes up. Because all oh, throughout this game, I also want to mention, he loses his clothes. He cut. He loses an, a yeah. sleeve. Another sleeve rips off Spe- his shirt. Speaking of Batman. <laughs> Arkham, it, yeah. Arkham games do the same thing. Just beat up throughout the game. I, I, I'm really a fan of that, too. So, And then at the end, you're back in your full garb. You're just like, oh, yeah. And now we know exactly where we are in the timeline. It's it's so well done. Yeah. So, oh, many, so, so much cool story that. stuff in this game. Probably cool. they did it, too. And and then when you do go back, like he he wakes up in his he wakes up in the camp, and then he rushes the castle and goes right to her room to tell her. And like, of course, she won't believe him. And then Jafar shows up. I'm gonna always call him Jafar. And <laughs> I don't think he has a name even. So just busier. Yeah, I think the at least the walkthroughs called him Jafar with two Fs, right? <laughs> I think that was a joke, though. Oh. Because he Sirik looks like Z, you misled me. I still read Sirik Z's game FAQs. I've been reading them for 20 something years. He still makes he them. He has the staff. I think the staff has a snake on it, or at least it should. Okay. So he's, I mean, again, he is Jafar. Like he's betraying. He's like, oh, you, you guys don't know the power you have. It's, it's, I'm a sorcerer. It's Jafar. Looks, according to Wikipedia, his name might be Zervan, but <laughs> he's. But, very much that archetype. I also was just okay. Well, definitely, definitely. Okay, Jafar with two Fs is the villain of Prince of Persia two. Oh, so there you go. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> last week I was at I was at work and I had to I had to wait for something and I put on Aladdin. I was watching it while I was waiting, <laughs> so that's why I kept thinking of Jafar. Also, ref street rat. Yeah. Oh, I I stayed for that part because I, I had to sit for mm-hmm. I was just sitting there to be there in oh, case something went no. wrong in my job, and I put on Aladdin and I'm like street rat. Why they're talking and I'm just sitting there just singing Aladdin. Pretty sure <laughs> the first Prince of Persia was a few years before Aladdin. Yeah, I think it is. But, I mean, that story was yeah. around and also set in China. <laughs> I, I don't know why Disney went for like combined the whole Arabian Nights and well, I, I guess the story mm-hmm. was collected in a thousand one Arabian Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Which is now that I think about it, that's probably why this is framed the way it is with him telling a story mm. it's a reference to that thousand and one arabian nights where you're literally in the bedroom of a princess telling her a story kind of a 
but the, it's I, so virgin, cool I guess the whole game is the whole game's narration is also like diegetic. It's not just like him like mm-hmm. fake telling a story. It's him telling a story to her to convince her that all this happened. You know, I just clicked just now that you said that. Yeah, it's so cool I that that really came to me like that. Is fucking cool. He was in her bedroom while an enemy army is not that far away, telling her this entire story. And then you're not sure if he's telling the truth at all. And it's like, what's your name? And he says the, the secret word he told her. That was cool. We're just, just that su- one such moment. a great little button on the story. I love that ending. Anybody, this story. And then when he, when he does that and she goes, what? Like, I like how all of them, it clicks that he's telling the truth where she didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. So, and the final fight with Jafar is simple enough, but it's interesting. Well, there's two fights with Jafar. One is the sorcerer fight where you have, he just makes clones himself and you just have to like block and roll and fight. And then, after that, you chase him out the window and you just hit him normally and he dies instantly because he's just a sorcerer. He's just a dude. <laughs> that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still still big fan of this game. Still a good game. <laughs> still really good. Uh, any last things to say about it before we go on to questions, memories, or comments? I have a f- not many, but I have a few. I, I think I've said most of what I wanted to say. Mr. Vincent? I think I pretty much covered everything that was in my notes that I wanted to go through. Yeah. Well, I'm sure other stuff will come up as we read these. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to, from first, I watched the entire Overblood Super Replay group uh, from Daniel Jones, friend of the show. At the time of release, this was one of my favorite games, but I know it hasn't aged well. So I revisited it last year, and even though it was still rough in spots, I was blown away by how much it seemed to have influenced the 360 PS, PS3 era of games. The way it balances puzzles, combat, and storytelling is very uncharted, but it was also surprised mm-hmm. how similar the free-flowing combat is to that Arkham Asylum. That being said, that last fight in the tower is just awful, and I hate it. Yes, it is. <laughs> Fucking miserable. And from Lucas Adams, also friend of the show, one of my favorite games, wasn't a huge fan of the combat, but loved the platforming, world-building, and narrative style. Having the narrator tell you, that's not how it happened when you did it such a, when you when you die is such a small but cool touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Me and Lucas are apparently friends. I've never met him, but that sounds... Exactly like my review. Of this him in the it's future. just a great touch. I'll I'll bring up that line when I see like someone die in a video game and people remember it from. But how long ago was this? Like almost twenty years ago. Yeah, eighteen oh, years three. ago now. Yeah. <laughs> and from Ron Huntone, do you ever wonder what conversation would happen if the prince and Anakin Skywalker were in the same room together? I have never <laughs> wondered that. Me no. <laughs> and from another friend of the show, Emmanuel uh, Leon Santigo Rodriguez. This is going to be an unpopular, unpopular opinion, but I'm hoping to replay this soon to see if it still feels the same way. I don't like this game. First time I played it back in middle school, it was cool, but I could never beat it. I tried playing it again 10 years later, and although I beat it, it was out of spite because I didn't really find the gameplay as solid as people say it is. And just like Jack 2, it has some bad checkpoints. I much prefer the 2008 reboot that sadly never got a sequel over this. The 2008 game is amazing, so hey, nothing wrong with liking that game a lot. Jack Jack 2 is so hard. Never played Jack I, 2? I don't I, know if I ever I, I like love... it, but it has some huge difficulty spikes. And I, I think this game is occasionally difficult, but ooh, the Jack two is, is bringing out, bringing out the arsenal to, to blast this game. I, I, I loved, I loved Jack and Daxter one. It was one of my favorite games on PS two. I, I played it. I, you know, I'm not much of a PS two player. And I loved it. And I looked at the cover of Jack two and I'm like, I don't, I don't what? I don't want to play this. So I just never did. I mean, but I lo- it's, pretty good it, it has like a, a sonic the hedgehog saturday morning antifa vibe which i really love but it's really oh, hard cool. i feel like i have the jack trilogy on my vita i probably could just load it up three three is really good too that's the yeah. real question i've been trying to play the those mascot games ratchet and clank sly and jack 
we've done Ratchet Clank one and two on the show, and we're about to do. We've done Sly one. We're about to do Sly two later this year. I haven't even uh, started Sly Jack one. and Daxter. I don't want to, but I know oh, they're to. they're so good. If I, I had to, if I had to pick one of those series, it would be that one. I, I love all three. It's someday once I think once Ratchet and Clank is I. I'm doing slide two. I might do up your arsenal next season, but someday I want to play the Jack game because I've never, I bought the first one. I played it, but I never got very far. It's always been on my list to finish. I, I, I want to revisit. I, go ahead, Vincent. I loved Jack one when I played it. I played it again 10 years later and I was like, I, I wasn't feeling it the same way. So I, I still love it. But like I said, I'm, I'm a big, big platformer guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sly, Sly two is interesting because uh, Sly one is kind of, Jack Crash Bandicoot, but a heist movie, and I love it. While <laughs> two is an open world game, and yes, yeah, and there's a lot of it's like a stealth open world game, and you see a oh. lot of a lot of its influence in Assassin's Creed. I and know it's really cool, and I think it's really boring. <laughs> like I kind of want to go back to it. I've never played Sly Two. One of my previous co-hosts, uh, DJ, the guy who helped come up with his name and left the show mm-hmm. first, he his favorite game of all time was Sly Two. People love it. I, I want to get back to it. Uh, it does so much so well. I'm excited um, to finally play it because it, it's a game I skipped all these years. So I'm yeah, looking forward to playing it's, it. It's this weird Baroque open world stealth game with multiple characters. It's, it's weird. Okay. That should be interesting. I'll be emulating, of course, but it should be interesting. All right. And last one from this group, Neil Hackle. My very first game on PS2, and I loved it. Smooth platforming, engaging combat for the time, maybe. And... From the Prince of Persia group, I have one comment from Bloodshed Mergesson. Will the upcoming remake give the same awesomeness given by this gem? I mean, I mean, what I think is so cool about this game is that it did so much that felt new and fresh. And that's just mm-hmm. not, not going to happen. Usually not the, not the goal of a remake, <laughs> um, even though this game is kind of a reboot. Yeah. But, and I got one comment from official Laser Time community from Jason Flint. I got this game for GameCube being unfamiliar what it really was and for sure didn't know about the original. I remember being blown away by the gameplay and the story, especially the ending surprise. Love rewinding time. Love how dying result in the narrator your own character saying that's not how it happened and how it rolled and how that rolls into the ending. The only game I got blind that felt as enjoyable as this is Arkham Asylum years later. Okay. Nice. And last comment from the Giant Bomb group from Sean Swayze. It was one of my favorite games that gen. I just love how the younger the longer you play, the more tattered his clothes become. Me too. I'm always a fan of that. And, and the the cover has him shirtless, and you yeah, know, you you know that's going to happen at some point. The the full strip tease <laughs> way later in the game, <laughs> and I mean way later in the game. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's definitely cool. Mm-hmm. All right, and I think that should bring us to shelf stack or box. And I'll go first. Uh, I should say since what? you're new out, and every soft night, yeah, I have no idea what really that like. meant in the notes. You're good. Um, means something you really like stack means something you like but not as much and box means something you dislike so make it simple About this, game. this okay th- this for me is going to go in the stack i enjoyed it but i don't i don't need to replay it again i mean i i've always thought really highly of this game and after replaying it, i think a little bit less which is not what i wanted to say to myself but i enjoyed it i'm glad we played it but i just i don't it's not it's not my 2008 prince of persia which i still will stand up and say it's my favorite of, of the series that i played but we'll see if that holds up when i replay the whole series but i've only played three of the series <laughs> oh i need to put that out there but i i enjoyed my time i just 
the game went a little too long for me and I just I had enough and I don't have an intention to replay this and I I will tell people to play it but it doesn't it's going in the stack and I'm I'm glad we played it. What about you Vincent? Uh, I'm going to put it in the stack also. I think that uh, my my criteria for putting shelf is like it's going to be like my top 10 games of all time so I'd feel like I'm never going to put things on the shelf. I don't think it's bad. I think it's super interesting. I think it's a little higher in my esteem than I remember from 03 just because I think I have a better handle on like what it's trying to do with these traversal puzzles. So I actually liked it a little bit more. And I really liked the the storytelling and the way it was doing things. And it's really kind of mind blowing for 03. So I think it's definitely something you should check out, but I'm not going to come back to it. Um, Although I am curious about the sequels, especially uh, 08 and Forgotten Sands. No, I can fix that. (laughs) I mean, I'm playing Forgotten Sands right now. I started. I was like, ah, this is pretty intriguing. Good game. Forgotten Sands. Very kind good. And just want to play more Sands of Time, but I, I think that's basically what Forgotten Sands is. Yeah. Well, does Forgotten Sands take place before Warrior Within then? Yeah. But after Sands um, of Time. The the Wii one is after Two Thrones, though. Oh, it's completely. Wow. Is that different? So yeah. it's, it, it's There's a, also it's a, a DS Prince of Persia yeah. game also. Yeah. But I'm assuming that doesn't count. Yeah. For, so you could, as, as Dan had said, I guess Forgotten Sands or Warrior Within is the second one. And he's super emo and he's got like eyeliner and yes. stuff. And so like dark. And I think you said that Forgotten Sands shows how he became like dark and, and, and moody. A little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't I played it more than I played it twice, but I don't remember much about it. It was, it was fun to me for, for at least the beginning, like 30 minutes of it, because you're walking around the side of the castle and there's like a battle going on. So there's like you know, Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings battles happening in the background that just gives mm. you a different sense of place and a weirder sense of urgency for like explosions happening. It's it's got a it's got a mood that I like. It's um it's your father's palace in that one, right? Okay. Or, or your brother's uh, your brother. I, though I had the subtitles on, I wasn't paying attention. It's okay. I, I mean, that's that's a cool idea. Just like going back to the home turf and it is still ridiculous. It's definitely your brother because spo- I remembered bits and pieces of the game. OK, all right. Your brother plays a big part in that game. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to say, since we're not reviewing. And, and my today. wife loves yeah. the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Also, Love I it. saw it once. I liked it. And I re- it's going to be I want to rewatch it now for the show. I've seen it three I, times. It, it was in one ear and out the other, though. I don't remember anything about it. Um, I have not seen it. It's from the director of Harry Potter Four. So sure. Mm. <laughs> okay. Everyone's favorite Harry Potter movie. <laughs> I don't remember that either. Yeah, again, in one ear, out the other. I think he also directed maybe Four Weddings and a Funeral. Again, one ear and out the other. I yes. like I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's another movie I, I, I don't know. All right, I think that's... Oh, and Dan, what about you? Shelf, stack, or box? I think I'm going to put it on the shelf. Um, it, It's kind of a, a borderline shelf because there are real issues I have with this game, but it does so much of what I like about this era of video games and, and the next generation, and I think does it better than a lot of them. Like, I, I think this is the right level of analog control. This is mm-hmm. doing cool things with its story. I, I even like the combat a lot more than when I last played this, even though it was still the weak point of the game for me. And this is, I think, my fourth playthrough of this game. I, I've enjoyed it thoroughly each time, and I'll probably play through it again. Okay. Big fan hey, of this one. Nothing wrong with that. I'm glad people enjoy this game. I do, for the most part. And that brings us to where I should introduce what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, next week, I have a very special episode for episode. We're going to be covering Super Mario Brothers 2 for the NES. I, I'm going to finally do another Mario game on the show. So we're covering that. Nice. And Vincent, where can people find you at? Uh, y'all can find me on the Some of My Friends Read Comics podcast. We talk about monumental comics that we should have read. So like stuff like the death of Gwen Stacy. 
Um, I think by the time this episode comes out, we'll have just covered or just about to cover The Eternals by Neil Gaiman and uh, John Romita Jr. Because um, it's right around when the movie's coming out, I guess. And so, and then I also have on YouTube under the All My Friends Are Right Here channel, That Was a Game, where this year I've been looking at classic spinoffs or forgotten spinoffs rather of classic franchises. So I've covered stuff like Super Princess Peach and I just did an episode on Ooh. Tetris 2, which I thought was a lot of fun. So check that out on that was a game on all my friends are right here on youtube because of you i really want to play that super princess peach game it's, it's kind of neat it's, <laughs> it's kind of neat it kind of doesn't work but it is interesting it, it'd probably be a fun pairing with uh, super mario brothers 2 although you don't you don't kill enemies by crying in their mouths um in mario 2 so yeah you, you have emotion <laughs> powers in that game <laughs> if you've ever wanted to have pd Piranha and then cry in his mouth to kill him that's your game. Yeah, what, <laughs> That's your what did game. they? When did they start doing the piranha plants are babies and crying? I, I feel like every Mario game after a certain point has crying piranha plants, and it just stuck around. And I hate I it. feel like PD Piranha. The first time I remember him was Sunshine, and maybe he slipped mm-hmm. or something. You spray but, you spray a lot of stuff yeah. in Petey Piranha's mouth. And that's it. I'm not gonna I, keep And I, I think anything, the idea is in, in Sunshine, they come out of eggs and it's like, oh, they're newborn. Now kill it. It's in a diaper and it's a baby and it's crying. Like, what what happened here? Why did that you That sounds do like this? Miyamoto circa two thousand two, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, babies. <laughs> <laughs> this is so weird. You weren't exaggerating at all. No. <laughs> <You> literally <laughs> climb up things and and cry in his mouth. Yep. She's got a lot of her power in retrospect. The whole game is based on her emotional powers. Those are the things which, you know, what do girls like? They're emotional. Like it's got a real energy about it. It doesn't look good. Didn't look good then. Doesn't look good now. Um, (laughs) I want to play it though now. But it's a pretty interesting game. And it's a it's 32 bit Mario graphics, which you don't get a lot of. Um, You need to touch screen. You touch screen to use the uh, the emotional powers. Okay, and I think like, it's been a year since I played it, but you definitely do that. And I think there are some like vertical challenges that you have to like maybe pull on the screen to like slingshot her up. But oh. for the most part, it's a I mean, it's all single touch stuff. So if you're playing with a mouse, oh, um, you could do that. You know me so well. Yeah, I know. But otherwise, I mean, it's like you get the shy guys, you get everybody with like 32 bit details. So they're more details and more colored than they are on Super Mario World. So it's interesting, but it's also a Tose game. So it's it's hit and miss. Okay, it's always been on my list to play it, and I, I I watched your video, and it just made me want to play this game. And now you're talking about it more, and I'm just like, you got me more into it now. It's, it's it blows my mind that game sold a million. Like that's the whole point of my series. That game sold a million copies. It's like the 50th or 60th best selling game on the DS. I know nobody that's played it, despite being everybody being like Mario fans. And so in that's what the series. We've, we've covered stuff like Wario World, other things like that that exist. They, they, so or, it's a cool Mario world is is a weird game. I wish I liked it more <laughs> considering it's a treasure Mario game. <laughs> I, I, I love everybody. Every single game is like, yep, that that was a game. And that's the name of the show. So. Thanks. <laughs> uh, there was even some interview about where where someone talked to Miyamoto about Peach and he said why there will never be a game about Peach. And they're just like, well, what about Super Princess Peach? And he had just <laughs> forgotten it existed completely. <laughs> I'm not that surprised. All right. And I also want to give a shout out to my awesome buddy, uh, Bill Tucker, who did the MCU stuff, which, which we finished. You'll be hearing the last episode of that in this month. Finally, it's done. Oh, yeah. You'll hear all about that. 
So definitely go check that out. And he started his own podcast, A Gamer Looks at 40. So check him out. You see a link in the show notes to his chat to his podcast also, which is much more heavily edited than this show is. <laughs> it's way different. Listen to it. You'll see what I mean. And I want to mention we have a new intro and outro that you're hearing now from Helena at Hell Half uh, Fury. Yeah, just and I'm Daniel Melman. Uh, don't have much of an online pre- presence, but you can find me on Twitter at uh, Snacko Zero. That's S N A C K O Zero. And I'm hoping to start up some blogs soon, which I'll I'll be sure to link there. Nice. Just send me a link, and I'll, it will be in the show notes for people to see. Right. And the only other thing I need to say is please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube, but only audio, but we're there. You're listening to your podcast on YouTube, which people do. And and I said at the top of the show, we have a Patreon. There's a little dollar, you can go vote in our Patreon, and it's Christmas movie poll. So definitely go check that out. I think that's everything we need to say. And I want to thank you two for joining me today. Yeah, this this was great. I'd uh, I'd love to <laughs> do this again sometime. This was a blast. I'll let me bring you on again. And we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody.